Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Now understand something, Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of sin. Let me say that again. Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of the sins of the people. It was destroyed because they, the Lord could not find at least 10 righteous. The sin caused the justice of God to react. But if the Lord could have found 10 righteous, the city would not have been destroyed. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. All right, so welcome everybody that's here today on the sound of my voice here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. And we welcome our online community that are gathering from all around the world. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. We thank you for watching today. You're not listening by accident or coincidence. The Lord does have a rich and relevant word that will inspire and change your life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Well, as you know, everybody, we've been in a series for the last several weeks entitled Fake Church. We realize that we're living in the last days and danger is coming. And one thing that Lord will uh, will cause us to do is to be prepared uh, to be prepared for the time and season which we're living in at this moment. You must be ready. Let's go ahead and go back now to uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3rd chapter. And let's look at verses uh, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy the 3rd chapter, 1 through 5. We're going to go ahead and read that once again. And it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Boy, we see this. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, we've really been looking at this they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, I need to refrain or need to um, redefine some things for you. You have to know what time and season you're in. You have to know what time and season you are in. I've been telling you for weeks now, the Spirit has been telling you for weeks that we're living in the time of judgment. There's judgment, the judgment of God upon our nation and the world. Now, another word for judgment is examination. Examination. Uh, examination means a testing period where God will test the worth or fidelity of something. He's also going to ascertain something, uh, the strength of something, ascertaining strength and finding out the flaws of something so that a particular action may be taken. Now, for judgment to happen in this world, something has to happen, had to have happened first. It's in a conversation earlier this week for, with Reverend Richardson, and I want to bring this point out to everyone. 
Let's go to 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, verse 17. I want you to see this. 1 Peter 4, verse 17 says this, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So again, 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, I want you to notice something. This says that God will examine, judge or examine the church first, the people of God first. I want you to re recall that now. He will judge or examine the church or his people first. Now, before he judges the world, this verse says he will judge his house, his people first. Now, has judgment happened in the house of God? Has judgment happened among the church? Yes, emphatically. Anytime you see that uh, massive church closings, that's judgment. In time, you see pastoral or uh, clergy uh, misconduct being exposed. That's judgment. The Lord taking off uh, the covers, exposing this to the world. Anytime you have seen um, fraud in the church being exposed and, and uh, financial embezzlement exposed in the church, that's judgment. God showing, shining the light on something that has happened. You see, we've been, the Lord has shined the light on fake miracles and, and uh, people have, who've said they're one thing, but we found out that there's something else. Uh, sermon plagiarism is, has been a very big thing. Expose, expose, expose. And three of the hallmarks of current, of current events that we're seeing right now is the Lord is exposing or turning the light on the way we worship. There are three areas that he has exposed. And we've seen this over the years. Expose one with talent, time, and money. Talent has been exposed. There have been a great number of people who have worshipped the Lord of God, worshipped the Lord in the house of God. But when the devil comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, you can be a superstar, they leave the house of God and pursue after other things. They've been exposed. Their heart was never with the Lord. It was always after this. That's in talent. In time, we've seen how people, some really didn't want to come to church in the first place. But they said, I got to put my time in. I got to put my time in. Well, when Corona came along, now there's an excuse. I don't have to come. So the Corona thing has sort of come and gone. And those who said, well, I don't want to get sick, they're going everywhere else doing everything else with everybody else but they're just not coming back to the church heart has been exposed worship and in talent exposed in time exposed and now here recently it seems to be financially the hearts of the people are being exposed there's this thing going around saying hey you know what you don't have to pay tithe you don't have to give you don't have to give heart exposed which is really 
true in a sense because you don't have to give in order to get to heaven. There is no bouncer. Jesus is not going to take American Express at the, at, the, at the gates of heaven. You're not going to pay a tithe or give an, off, or give an offering to get favor in the sight of God. No, the Lord said he loves a cheerful giver, someone whose heart is in his giving. I've been a tither and a, and a giver for well over 30-something years, 40 years, what have you. And the Lord has proven himself time after time after time in my family. So because someone says this or that, I give. Our father is a giver. He's a giver. Our father regularly attends the worship services where he is being honored, the places where he is being honored. And his anointing is always active among his people. So I find it strange that people say, I'm following Jesus, but they don't display the character of Christ. Now, true enough, again, you are not commanded to tithe. You are not commanded to give. It should flow out of you. I want to bless the Lord. I want to bless the Lord. Our giving far exceeds the tenth. Far exceeds, because I believe the New Testament far exceeds tenth. Our far exceeds tenth. Why would I lower myself to only do a tenth when the Lord has loved us lavishly? Far beyond that. You understand what I'm saying? So the Lord exposes hearts. So when people, they, they cry out, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. Many people say, you know what, I'm not going to give anyway. I didn't think I have to give. Now I have an excuse. <laughs> I'm not going to do it anyway. Exposed. Exposed. You hear what I'm saying? The Lord allows these things to examine and expose your heart. Are you with him or are you not? Again, the Lord will love you and bless you regardless that you can give, not give one dime, not give one penny. That's not, that's not the issue. Now, let me tell you this, and we've said this before. It is possible to give to somebody without loving them. It's possible. See someone on the streets, you just want to just give them something. Pay it forward, you may not even know their name. You just want to give to them. It's possible to give to somebody without loving them. But it is impossible, it is not possible to truly love someone without giving to them. It's not possible. Your heart loves and you want to give. And that's what giving is all about. That's what worship is all about. Whether you're worshiping with your time, your talent, your treasure, that's all him. It's giving from a heart of love. So judgment has begun in the house of God. And judgment means, again, that examination He's examining his people first. And you're going to see this. This is a pattern. I want you to see today a pattern. There is a pattern in Scripture where God always judges his people first before he releases. Now, there are signs of our times. This is one of the reasons why the Lord had to release judgment, had to release this examination, because there's innocent blood crying out in the streets. The hallmarks of our culture are hatred, uh, violence, greed, and perversion. All of this is in our culture today. Many people say, if it feels good, do it. It doesn't matter if it really hurts somebody else in the process, as long as you get what you need. 
All these things are in our culture today. Man needs to repent. And Lord, the Lord releases judgment. He allows it to come to shake man, to let him see that you cannot do this without me. Man needs to repent. Now, judgment also comes as a shaking for the church. Now, this is where we are now, how it relates to us. I want you to see how judgment relates to us. The Lord allows it to happen in the culture to shake us from our slumber to arise and seek the face of God. Because the answer is actually within the church. Look at 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 7 chapter, 2 Chronicles 7. I want you to see this. 2 Chronicles is 7 chapter. And we're going to look at verse 13 through 14. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 13 through 14. And this is how it reads. If you don't have it, you can make a note of it and you can get it later. 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, verse 13 through 14. It says this. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Look at verse 14. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want you to notice something. Look at verse 13 because verse 13 talks about our culture currently. It says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain. No rain talks about financial disaster. Because the Lord was speaking to a generation that was chiefly agricultural. So if they had no rain, they had no crops. They had no crops, you can't sell it. You're not going to eat. Financial disaster. Secondly, it says locusts. Locusts comes to devour storages, storehouses, things stored up. So locust invading means not enough. It means lack. It means massive shortages. Massive shortages. So number one, financial disaster, no rain, financial disaster. Number two, locusts, meaning massive shortages. And need I say the third one, pestilence, pandemic, diseases, disease rampant among the people. All of these are hallmarks of this culture. The Lord said, if I sin this, if I allow this to come, what's the remedy? He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you hear that? So the answer is here within us. The Father's placed the remedy within us. So when the church repents or the church turns, the land will be healed. Look at this. When the church repents or turns, the land will be healed. This also sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to see this as well. I want you to see a pattern, a pattern. You can write this down. We'll make note of it in Genesis, the 18th chapter, Genesis 18. Verse 32, Genesis 18:32 or the 18th chapter, talks about the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now understand something, Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of sin. 
Let me say that again. Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of the sins of the people. It was destroyed because they, the Lord could not find at least 10 righteous. The sin caused the justice of God to react. But if the Lord could have found 10 righteous, the city would not have been destroyed. Let's look at it. Genesis 18, 32. Abraham first started with 50. Can you find, Lord, if you find 50 in the land, you won't destroy it where you know. And gets all the way down to 10. Verse 32 says, in Genesis 18, 32 says, Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one, if I speak, uh, one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. So look at the events. Before judgment came, who had to be examined first? The righteous of the city. The righteous were judged first. The righteous were examined first. The angels went in to see if they could find at least 10 righteous. So they went among the people. They went among God's people. Can we find at least, at least 10 people in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? At least 10 people that's living right, living for the Lord. The righteous were examined first. And because the, because the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous did not exceed that number, judgment came. Now, if... There had been at least 10 people in the hold in those two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, those two separate cities. If there had been at least 10 there, judgment would not have fallen, which means that the righteous could have preserved the city, the cities. Righteousness would have preserved the cities, which is what the Lord talks about here in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Go with me quickly. Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew 5. I want you to see this again today. Matthew 5. So righteousness preserves. But if there is no righteousness, then destruction comes. Judgment comes. Righteousness preserves. Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 13 through uh, verse number 16. And the Lord says, ye are the salt of the earth. We know that salt is a preservative. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are, the, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on and healed cannot be hid. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now again, if there had been enough righteous, judgment would not have fallen. What did we say again in First Peter? The Lord said judgment must begin at the house of God or in the household of God. Can I find enough righteous? Because if I can find enough preservative, then judgment won't fall. That's why it always has to start among the household of God, among God's people. Now, in my opinion and in my assessment, the church as a whole today 
has lost its saltiness, has lost its impact in the culture. Lost our saltiness, lost the light in the culture as a whole. That doesn't mean that nobody is salty, that nobody's light. No, that's, that was being correct. But if we go back into Sodom and Gomorrah, he said he couldn't find 10. Maybe there were five there. Maybe there were nine there. There's a certain number or percentage that the Lord looks for. Can I find this among my people? Is there enough preservative that I can stay judgment? So there's not enough preservative among us. There's not enough. Not just for, not just in this, us in this house. There must be many other houses, many other people, many other pastors and church leaders, many other congregants. There must be many other. I'm not sure what the number is. But what that number was, we didn't meet it. And so judgment came. That's why the Lord tells us the remedy is within us. If we, if my people, Lord, said, well, humble ourselves and pray. What's he doing? Telling, getting us back to righteousness, getting us back to Christ. So that, that preservative may heal the land. Is anybody getting it today? So... Um, but here's what we would do. We want to stop here today. But while we're in, while we're under the covering of judgment, what do we do? Because it's here. Now, remember, the Lord allows judgment to wake the culture up and to wake the church up, to let them see something is wrong. Something is bad wrong. Like if you begin to have a, a pain in your body, we don't just ignore it. Don't, don't just get a Tylenol and just wish it away. If it continues to happen, we need to go find out and get it fixed. He allows the pain to enter in so that we can pay a close attention to it and go see about it. Don't just keep ignoring it. Go get it checked out. That may be a word for somebody. Get it checked out. Praise the Lord. Now, we know again, and let's look at this in Isaiah 8. You can make a note of it if you like. Isaiah 8, verse number uh, 11 through 14. We've been, th been here before, but I want you to hear it again. Isaiah 8, verses 11 through 14. God will seal us during time of judgment. He will seal his church during time of judgment. He will place a mark on you during the time of judgment. Now, this is something that you have to believe God for and thank him for. That your life has been marked during a time of judgment. But you're not in, you're not feeling the effects of judgment, not so that you can go uh, play hopscotch somewhere. The Lord wants you to pray, to seek his face, to repent, and influence others that call on the name of Jesus to do the same. To influence the culture so that we may once again be preservative to the land. Anybody getting this? Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 11, or rather Isaiah verse, um, chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. Listen to how it reads again of the New Living Translation. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. He is the one you should, you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Verse 14, he will keep you safe. Now, further down, it talks about what will happen in the culture because of the sin, because of the idolatry. He said, but to Jerusalem and Judea, rather than Judah, 
Uh, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. I've told you several times that this time period, they were deep in idolatry, and I mean deep in idolatry. So judgment had to come. But the Lord takes care, and I really want you to notice this. The Lord will take care, and he will mark and seal his people through times of judgment. He will always keep his people safe and secure. We can see that through the uh, judgment uh, when the Lord flooded the earth. What happened? The Lord kept his people in the, in the ark, right? When judgment went through the land of Egypt, what did he do? He told the people, hey, put a mark above your doorpost and, and uh, I will seal you there so that destruction won't come into your houses. Now, let me show you something that's more direct and more defined. As judgment was going through Jerusalem and among the people of God, the Lord sent angels. Now, these angels were, I believe, the, or these, destruct, these angels of destruction uh, God was using them to illustrate a point because the Babylonian army was going to go through the land and they were going to kill everybody that was in there. That was judgment. The, the walls of God's glory, his righteousness had fallen. Judgment was coming into the land because they had committed so much sin and atrocity against God. There were many angels here. This one angel we're going to talk about here in just a moment. This cherubim had a satchel. He had a sack. He had a pen. And he was there to transcribe some things. I want you to see this. Let's go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the ninth chapter, Ezekiel nine. You can make a note of it and just uh, get it later. If you like Ezekiel nine verses number three through six, it says this, then the glory of, then the glory of God, one more time, then the glory of the God of Israel rose up from between the cherubim uh, where it had rested and moved to the entrance of the temple. And the Lord called to the man, that's an angel here, dressed in linen, who was carrying the writer's case. He said to him, walk through the streets of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of all who weep and sigh because of the detestable signs being committed in their city. He told this first angel, Put a mark on the foreheads of all those who are weeping because of the idolatry that's been going on in my house. Put a mark on them. Seal them. Look at verse number five. It says, then I, uh, then I heard the Lord say to the other men, follow him through the city and kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. Show no mercy. Have no pity. Kill them all, old and young, girls and women and little children. But do not touch anyone with the mark. Begin right here at the temple. So they began by killing the 70 elders. Notice how judgment began once again in the house of God. He said, start here at the temple. If there's anyone here that has the mark on his head, that weeps because of what's been going on, seal them. Don't let that happen to them. But they couldn't find them in the temple. Destroy them all. Destroy them all. But for those who were truly, truly in covenant with God, truly feared God, a mark was placed on them. A seal was placed on them. 
so that when instruction came through the land, they were preserved. Let's look at this also in the time of Revelation. Revelation 7 chapter. Revelation 7. I want you to see this. Revelation 7. The Lord seals his people. During times of judgment, the Lord will seal his people. Now, understand this. People say, I've heard people say, well, you know it's judgment because people seem to be dying every day. People are dying all the time. There must be judgment. That thought is actually flawed because people have been dying since Adam and Eve. If nobody, if, if people normally did not die at all, and then I can say, okay, well, dying is a form of judgment here because people are beginning to die. But people have been dying before you and I got here. People dying is not a, there's not a, you can't use that to say judgment has come. You have to look at what's happening in the culture. What's going on all around you. Does that make sense? And you cannot say that someone is in sin. Oh, they died because they were in sin. You cannot say that either. You can't say, oh, that person, why they die young because they were in sin. You can't say that either. Because even Jesus died young. His life had purpose. You got what I'm saying to you? Look at Revelation. Revelation 7, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea, or even on any tree. Look at verse 2. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. You see what he's doing? He's carrying the seal of God, right? And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea. Verse 3, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Don't pour out judgment until we have sealed the people of God. Again, judgment has to begin first in the house of God. He has to take care of his house first, and then he pours it out there. Are you hearing me? Let's go to Revelation 9. Revelation 9. I want you to see this too. Revelation, the ninth chapter, Revelation 9. I really want you to get this, Revelation 9. Revelation 9. I believe it further talks about this. Look at this. Revelation 9, verse number 1 says, Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Verse 2, when he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. And they were given power to sting like scorpions. Look at verse 4. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. 
Before the Lord will release, he will preserve his people. Remember before he even released judgment in Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he do with Lot and his family? He got them out. He sealed them against that day, against that destruction. So he's a master at preserving his people during judgment. As a matter of fact, when the children of Israel were cast into Babylon, they began to thrive because the Lord was still with them, even though they were in that time period, even though they were serving there. And many people grew up under captivity because they were there for 70 years. Some of them only knew captivity. But while they were there, they grew and increased. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all had high offices in Babylon. The Lord increased them greatly. Esther, high, all of these were in captivity during that time. And the Lord increased them mightily. He told them, I want you to thrive. I want you to, I want you to get married. I want you to have children. Because one day you're going to come back and possess the land. So even in times of judgment, we're not meant to be scared and being back in a corner somewhere. The Lord wants us to thrive and to live and to increase. Not to live in fear, not to live in worry. And last, I want to show you this. The Lord, and we're going to start here next week, the Lord willing. The Lord seals his people now with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice as well how the devil always tried to counterfeit what God does. When you talk about the mark of the beast, where's the mark of the beast going to be placed? In the right hand or in the, or in the forehead? Trying to counterfeit what God does. It's a counterfeit uh, seal, a counterfeit mark. The devil's trying to say, I can do it too. His mark will take you straight to hell. But the Lord's mark, the Lord's seal, will preserve you. Preserve you. So the Holy Spirit is our seal right now. Look at 2 Corinthians. Make a note of it if you like, or turn quickly. 2 Corinthians, verse number 1, 2 Corinthians 1. Look at verse 21 and 22. It says, Now he which established us, this is in King James Version, he which establishes us with you in Christ hath anointed us, rather, and hath anointed us is God. Verse 22, who hath, is already done, also what? Sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is our seal. When the Lord Jesus comes and raptures the church, what is he going to do? He's going to call his spirit home. All those that are sealed with the Spirit, he simply calls them home. He raptures the church, and all those that are left on the earth are those who have not the seal of God. Everybody left. They haven't been sealed. And then the wrath of God is poured out. Antichrist and the beast and all of that stuff happens. Tribulation, tribulation, tribulation. But all those who have been sealed will be kept safe. So it's not just a one-time thing. You see that throughout the whole scripture, throughout the whole Bible. God always deals with his people first. The answer for judgment is within the halls of his church. So we have to pray 
we repent. And I urge all of you, I urge all of you, get your families at home and repent on your behalf, on uh, behalf of your family, on behalf of the nation. Repent before God. Repent before God. We need to repent again for taking things so flippantly and so lightly. We need to repent. Ask him to wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness by the precious blood of Jesus. And then we encourage each other. We need to encourage each other. Encourage those who are on your job. They say they're saved. Encourage them to repent. Encourage them to seek the face of God. That's what's going to heal, heal our land. Not more laws, not more plans, not more treaties. It's when the church comes together and does this. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word you've given us today. And Lord, I pray that your word will take deep root in us. Lord God, forgive us for taking things lightly. And Lord, I do pray that today you will raise up within us the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, but give us the unction to pray, unction to study your word and to live correctly in this life. Lord, I pray that we will not sleep in this time of danger, just like the, the ten virgins. We will not sleep, but that we would be alert and ready to do what you've called us to do. That when the trumpet sounds, our lamps will have be full of oil, our vessels full of oil, that we may go forth and meet you. Father, I pray that we will not lose our saltiness, neither put our light under a bushel, but Lord, I pray that you would manifest your glory in us and through us in effective and wonderful ways. Lord, I pray your grace upon your people today. In Jesus' name. Now, my friends, for those of you that are watching right now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to do it. Now it's time to repent before God. We've done, we've messed up so much. We've messed up so much. Today, I'll ask you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no special prayer, no special formula. You just have to believe. So get by yourself and just say, Father, I repent of my sins. I turn from them and I turn to you and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, live in me. Help me. And you know what? He will turn to him. He is your answer. We'll see you on next week. We love you guys. And go to our website at kingdomrock.org. Let us know what God is doing in your life and how we can pray for you, okay? We love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.